0: Tonight we glimpse into the last night of Jesus here on earth before he was crucified. One friend betrays him. Another denies him. Others simply run away. His trial is unfair with false charges and unjust judges. The God who made the universe places himself in the hands of his earthly creation who will decide his earthly fate. That includes Pilate, the Roman governor of Judea. Pilate, who with the Jews share a mutual dislike, a mutual distrust. Pilate and his interaction with the Jewish people and with Jesus help us to see that he's not so much interested in justice and protecting that as he is his own interests and protecting them. In this scene, Pilate is trying to understand these charges that have been brought against Jesus against Jesus, and he asks Jesus, So, are you a king? And this is what Jesus says in John 18. My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate says. Jesus answers, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, scoffs Pilate. With this, he goes out again to the Jews gathered outside and says, I find no basis for the charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release this king of the Jews? And they shout back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we look at two phrases from these verses that we've just read, help us to answer the question, how do these two phrases apply to me today? Through Jesus we pray, amen. So let's look at the first phrase, what is truth? Pilate says, what is truth? And he's not so much asking a question as he is making a declaration. He just says, I don't believe in it. And then he walks away. He dismisses the basic idea of truth. He doesn't think think that truth is something concrete, something real, something tangible. But truth is verifiable, right? We know this because it's true that 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's verifiable truth. And if you don't think that 2 plus 2 equals 4, it doesn't mean that truth is subjective it just means you're wrong. Truth is verifiable. But it's interesting that in the Bible, truth is, is more than just something we can observe with our five senses. Truth is a moral concept. So truth means being honest and faithful and right and pure and genuine. And it's kind of interesting that Pilate rejects the idea of truth, something objective. But then, he says, I find Jesus to be innocent, which is basing something on a standard that's objective. So he believes in truth himself, even if he doesn't recognize it or want to admit it. And then, after Pilate declares Jesus to be innocent, he goes through a physical act of washing his hands... To clear his conscience and say, it's not on me. Now, what do we do with this idea of truth? How do we interact with it in our own lives? Does my life show that I know the truth? Do I live the truth in my life? Or do I sometimes ignore truth because I just don't agree with it? or I find it to be inconvenient, or it just demands too much of me. In my life right now, what is truth? In your life right now, what is truth? That brings us to the second phrase. This one is shouted not by just one man. This is shouted by an entire mob. No, not him. Give us Barabbas. And we think, how, how could these people want to release into their lives someone who was a murderer, someone who was involved in an uprising, someone who was destructive? Why would they release him into their world and send away truth, righteousness, peace, love, hope. We think they're just crazy. And I admit, I I may not directly shout out, Jesus, I don't want you, I want something else. And I may not not literally take money and exchange it for Jesus. Jesus. But there are definitely times when I've allowed destructive things into my life rather than Jesus. When I've chosen things that are harmful instead of Jesus. And I would assume you have as well. We we say no not Jesus, give me x whatever X happens to be in your life. So we need to ask ourselves, what have I exchanged for Jesus? What have I allowed into my life in place of Jesus? As I was preparing for tonight, it really struck me I'm just kind of a cynical, critical, judgmental person. And, and I think maybe you would join me in this thought. We, we look at Pilate, and we look at the crowd, and we say, yeah, they, they crucify Jesus. And so we then crucify them. But don't we act the same way so often? When we're honest, we have to admit We do today what they did 2,000 years ago. And because we do what we do, Jesus did what he did. Jesus willingly came to earth to give his life so we could have life. God is for you. And tonight we're going to participate in two symbolic acts that remind us of God's sacrifice, His passion, His love for us. In just a minute we're going to ask you to to stand and, and move to one of the stations that you see around the edges here, including one on the stage. A place that has a bowl and a towel, it's a place... Not to wash someone's feet. No, this is a place for us to wash our hands. And this is more than a symbolic act that that Pilate did. This is an actual spiritual act. Coming before God. And saying, God, would you cleanse me? I admit that I have allowed other things into my life. I admit that I have rejected truth. Jesus. And and James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about this when he writes in his letter. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wash your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. So we are coming to the water to to say, God, I need you to cleanse me. We want to resist temptation. We want to draw near to God and allow him, as we humble ourselves, to lift us up. This water reminds us that God is for us. And so we want you to do that here in just a minute. And after you do that, if you would just in the same spirit of humility, uh, return to your seats. And then our second symbolic act is going to be what we do every Sunday when we gather. It's the Lord's Supper. It's a time where we come and say, God, I need Jesus. I need him eternally. I need him for my salvation. I need him for my daily walk. The the bread is the body of Jesus broken for us. And tonight the loaves you can see are intact and we want you to to physically tear off a piece of the bread and dip it into the cup, the, the juice that represents his blood that's poured out for us. A symbolic act to remind us one more time, God is for you. He loves you so much, he allowed his only son to die God is for you. We're we're taking this, sharing in this meal together at the foot of the cross. The cross is where an innocent man was executed so a, a guilty man could go free. And that's Barabbas. But it's also me. And it's also you. And so we come and we recognize what God has done for us. We confess one more time our need for him. And we say, God, thank you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you are for me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the body of Jesus that's broken for us. And the blood of Jesus that's poured out for us. We thank you that we can be washed clean. God, remind us of the truth that we can't live without you. And without you, we are lost. We're stained. We're broken. But because you passionately love us, because you are for us, we can be forgiven. Our hearts can be cleansed. We can be made whole. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen.